Great, dude. You know what? I feel real at home, guys. Thanks. <laughs> well, I mean, glad that we have the least most attractive person on the podcast, finally. Right. And welcome. And we're out again. To the Downerfront Podcast, the official podcast of downerfrontpodcast.com. My name is Ward. I will be your host this evening. And what we normally do here is review a bunch of movies, TV shows, all hanging out in over our one of our favorite beverages. Or we just have a couple shots if you're a Mocha Mike. Uh, we have a good group tonight. And we're going to be reviewing the newest film, Halloween, uh, starring Jamie Lee Curtis and a pretty cool Mike Myers sort of uh, villain. So I'm super excited. I'm super pumped to talk about it. But before we get into all that, I'm going to toss it over to our special guest. You may have heard his beautiful voice, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. We have Dr. Bob on the podcast for tonight. What's going on, man? How's it going? Great to see your voice. We haven't seen you since the Avengers podcast earlier this year, which was five and a half hours long. So I do want to apologize <laughs> that it was that long. Um, definitely not your fault. Uh, we all blame Abbott and his four locos. So damn yeah. you, Abbott. But Rob, what you been uh, drinking, what you been watching, and how you been? Well, one, I'm doing good. And I just wanted to follow up real quick on what you said. It was like a different kind of Mike Myers. And it was so good to see Mike Myers go from the love guru to this uh, reincarnation of Halloween, I think he made huge leaps and bounds. I think his career is coming back, and I'm looking forward to he his next jacked. one. He got jacked for this role. Michael Myers. He also Michael. grew like a foot and a half. God, fucking trolls. Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, get it right. All right, we're here. You're doing the movie podcast, not me. <laughs> I can't read good. I had a smudge on my computer. It was blocking the rest of the letters. I I am doing good. I am currently drinking a Lagunitas Aunt Sally, which is my favorite beer from Chicago. Uh, when I was living out in Chicago uh, about a year and a half ago, the Lagunitas Brewery was about a mile and a half away from my apartment. So I went there a couple of times. This uh, easily has become my favorite beer from them. So every chance I get to drink it, I drink it. And there's only a couple of places in Massachusetts that actually sell it, so... I stopped by one this weekend. I needed to get it. For what I'm watching, though, I'm trying to finish season two of Luke Cage. And then I just heard the rumors, or not the no longer rumors, the acknowledgments that uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist are both being canceled on Netflix. Um, kind of sucks, but what are you going to do? And I'm also watching uh, The Haunting of House Hill. And that show is fucking incredible. I was watching it with my girlfriend over the weekend and I was, dude, I was fucking freaking out and I'm pretty good with scary movies, but like ghost stuff. Mm -mm, Wait, no spoilers. I'm on like the first episode. It's like the only thing I'm, I'm watching right now. I didn't even finish the first, I didn't even finish the first episode. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Is this a spoiler? If the haunting of house Hill, I mentioned ghosts. Yes. Really? Big spoiler, yeah. guys? Yeah. Is it, that a big it could spoiler? Be, it could be Swamp yeah. Thing. We, we don't know. Swamp Thing could be haunting the Hill House. Okay, this is a, you guys are reaching right now. <laughs> it's a reach. <laughs> you know how we do on the Downfront Podcast, giving reach arounds left and right. Nice. That's our new tagline. Let me turn around for you guys. <laughs> Ship it, well, uh, Rob, I'm, I'm super pumped. I'm really glad that we can actually have you on. I think one of the last times before the um, oh, Avengers gosh. podcast we don't had. Mention, don't mention it. Well, well no, it, it was a great podcast. 
We had you on Saw. It was one of the favorite, our favorite movies of last year. <laughs> it was actually Jigsaw. It was Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Let me correct you again. Sorry, okay. let me correct you one more time. It was Jigsaw. This, this is why Academy we, Award snubbed Jigsaw. This is why we have you here for you to correct us on all of my mistakes. So yeah, this is very nearly the uh, the anniversary of that appearance. Welcome, welcome back. All right, we're making this. This is now a routine every Halloween. Oh, I'm down. Oh yeah, I'm this down. pretty face is coming right back. Uh, so, Rob, I'm excited to get your thoughts on that, especially talk about some non-spoiler stuff and talk about some spoiler stuff. So, super pumped to have you on the show this evening. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm going to toss it over to my best friend, one of the best wedding dates I've ever seen in my life. This guy is great. Mr. Mocha Mike, how's it going, man? What you been sipping on and what you been watching? Hey, yo. What up, everybody? Uh, great to be here. Great to talk to you all about this movie tonight. Uh, I'm actually glad this movie came up on the docket. I am a sucker for like slasher horror movies, regardless of how good or bad they are. Uh, so I'm super stoked that I had a reason to go see this other than just my own personal desire. Uh, as for what I'm drinking tonight, I kind of, I was supposed to get myself something pumpkin-y, something to go along with the theme, but uh, due to some other responsibilities that came up, I wasn't able to. So instead, I'm just pulling the blue it, sipping on some refreshing H2O, Halloween H2O. Anyway, uh, so I'm drinking that down, <laughs> watching, uh, also finishing up season two of Luke Cage. So I'm right there with you, Rob, trying to power my way through it. But I am also watching The Haunting House Hill, which has been pretty dope. Uh, as discussed, we're not going to talk about spoilers. But I will say that during the first episode, I sort of nodded off at a certain point and then opened my eyes just in time to see some freaky ass shit screaming at, uh, yelling at the screen. And I shit through my dick. I was so scared. It was <laughs> absolutely horrified me. Um, but the show, the episode show has been pretty, pretty sick so far. So definitely check that out. If you need some, uh, holiday spookiness on Netflix. Yeah. I'm super pumped, um, to talk about more of that show. Cause I'm assuming that Mike, uh, blew it. The shredder has also been watching that. So Mike blew it. What's going on, man. What you've been sipping on and what else have you been watching? Uh, yeah, I'm watching the same thing as you guys. I'm trying to get through Luke Cage, got to get through Iron Fist and then Daredevil, uh, which is hilarious. Like, haven't even got to the new one that came out. Um, and I watched one episode of Haunting Hills of Houses. Uh, it was solid. Same thing. Um, like that whole phone call scene I was awake for. So I didn't really like lose it because I, I could kind of see it coming. But uh, it was still scary as hell. Uh, more specifically, I'm watching uh, the World Series right now. Uh, so if I lose concentration, I promise, perfectly sober, just, uh, you know, Steve Pierce got to do some stuff. Uh, as for what I'm watching, I did go topical on this one. It was out last year, and I didn't get it, uh, so I figured this year might as well do it. Uh, I got a Troig's Master of Pumpkins. Uh, it is a pumpkin spice brewed ale. Uh, you're supposed to drink it in a chalice. Uh, I don't have a chalice because that's that's not how I roll. But uh, I have a Red Sox uh, wine glass that I'm using <laughs> instead. And, and he's pointing to the wine glass. Yeah, that's sorry. Exactly yeah, we're not a we visual do. thing. Yeah, so essentially that's, a chalice. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's a short wine glass too. It's like in between, you know. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty solid. It's. Nice and heavy, which is good for a nice 50-degree day in, in Boston in the middle of, you know. <laughs> Blue, you've got approximately eight days to uh, finish off that pumpkin spice beer because, before you get relegated to basic bitch status. 
Yes. Oh, oh no, see, I, I'm think, in, I'm, I think I am a basic bitch. I'm drinking pumpkin spice beer, watching uh, Haunting of Hill House. That that is like the every white girl is doing that right now, legitimately <laughs> right now as we speak. Yep. Do you have a cinnamon I, sugar rim? I don't because I don't have cinnamon sugar. Oh, okay. I do, but it's not on my glass. Hey yo. <laughs> See you later. Ooh, salty and <laughs> sweet. <laughs> This is a family podcast, man. It Ew. is absolutely not. <laughs> it's a family podcast for about 13 seconds, and then your mom leaves because one of us swears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. She's still, uh, she's still a listener, so it's always great. Well, uh, Shredder and Blue, it is always great to have you on. It's great to see your face. Uh, again, my name is Warren. Um, sadly enough, the only other thing I've been watching has been the baseball. I've been watching football. I started the... Uh, the Haunting of Hill House, uh, but I actually fell asleep because I was exhausted that night. Um, so I'm really excited to actually kind of finish that up, um, or at least kind of be you know continue as that. Um, so I'm kind of a bummer, uh, but I have been winning fantasy football, so that's awesome. Uh, right, Mocha? <laughs> uh, yeah, what I'm barely. Eh, Eighteen points is not barely. What I uh, what I'm drinking right now is this Jameson. Seems, this seems super fucking specific. Is it? <laughs> Well, very, I'm drinking Jameson. Very pointed. And I'm drinking <laughs> ginger ale lemonade. Have you guys had this before? Nah. It's a weird mix. It's quite nice, though. It's nice. Can nice. you make it yourself? Uh, no. But because that would have that would have been really good for me to make this graphic. But no, I did not. I'm not sure the audience listening at home can uh, see this graphic you're talking about. I'll post it in the show notes. I will. I'll put it in. Hopefully, we don't get sued. That'd be great. Yeah, but so that's what I've been drinking, and that's what I've been watching. So I'm pumped. Um, so let's get into it a little bit before we start getting into the movie. I'm going to toss it over to a brand new section that we just started and I'm going to have the marvelous Mocha Mike who see what I did there. Uh, introduced it, Mike. Uh, yeah. So, uh, we through a stroke of pure and unadulterated originality have uh, decided to start <laughs> a segment we like to call uh, send a sip. Uh, thanks to, uh, Inspiration from our alcoholic friend Warren, who was always sending sips left and right. Uh, where we just want to, before we take off, shout out some of the people or things in our life that got us feeling good. If you want to send a sip or share some liquid love with, so uh, I'll start off. I'm actually going to send this, uh, send this sip as much as I don't want to, to Mr. Warren Jackson. Uh, he invited me to be his uh, his date to a wedding this weekend, which was. Kind of weird, but it wound up being an open bar, so I got to sit on some bullet whiskey and a whole bunch of cocktail shrimp for the whole night. So uh, thanks for that. Sip sending those, your way. Those crab cakes were delicious. Uh, so it was going to be on me, and so I will officially send my sip. Usually I would give it up to you, Mocha, but um, you just gave it to me, and it'd be weird. I'm going to send a sip to Rob. For being here again on arguably, and I know this is sad, but you have now been on more episodes than some of the original cast members of the Down to Front podcast. So yeah, thanks to you. Up, that was brought up last time as well. Well, yeah, I know, but now it's <laughs> so even one, it's one more here. than that. So it's not. It's but you're like uh, you're almost close to a cast member, but you're just not quite cool enough yet. So thank you so much, Rob, for being here. Thank you, thank you. Uh, am I supposed to direct this at somebody? Not anybody here. Not, not anybody here at all. Because I was gonna say, I feel like Blue. It's a little left out. A little fucked up, guys. 
So instead of directing That's- it straight to blue it, I'm going to direct it at everybody. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me back on, guys. You know, um, Halloween, it was a movie. We saw it. And we're going to talk about it right here. Coming up next. So much, so much enthusiasm. And, so much and I just want to say, I would like to congratulate you guys on coming up with this brilliant idea for a segment all on your own. I think it's great. I think you guys are doing great things. Uh, I think you get a lot of original ideas flowing around in all your heads and you're just picking them apart, you know, left and right. Like, boom. Oh, never heard of this one before. Let's just, let's throw it in the mix. Thanks, I like man. it. I like yeah, it. Shout out to Thanks. Down and Front, the uh, number one shitty podcast on Spotify. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> podcast war. Hashtag podcast war. Uh, Blue it. What you got? I'm going to send a sip to Jesse Rand because he can stab me in the backside any day. Mm. Yikes. <laughs> we're, we're just going to bookend uh, these things with Jesse Rand comments that he still hasn't listened to any of them at all. Maybe he We're going to compile them all one day. <laughs> yeah, even, I listen, even I listen to them. I listen to all the ones that I've seen and are interested in. Like Venom, I listen to Venom actually this morning. Yeah, yeah. But then you guys always review movies that I haven't seen yet. And I'm like, damn. All right, fuck you guys. Delete. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, but you, but you, but you download it, right? Yeah, we download it. Okay. I download that, it. That's, yeah. Rob, I hope you're I'm downloading sorry. our podcast illegally. Just like... <laughs> So you guys don't get the numbers for it? <laughs> Kids going to Pirate Bay, just like, down front podcast. Boom. I re-downloaded LimeWire just to get the numbers on even LimeWire Pro, just the regular LimeWire. Yeah. Right? So Who the hell paid for LimeWire Pro? Would you just download LimeWire Pro from, from LimeWire, Lime right? <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm sure a bunch of people legit paid for that. Like, it's like that conundrum when you buy a 3D printer to print a 3D printer and return the first 3D printer. <laughs> That's so smart. I, you honestly, need to hit honestly, I didn't even think about that. That's mad funny. Tell <laughs> so Dom we got his business numbered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going down. I'm pumped as I super pumped to actually talk about this movie. We're gonna get into the spoiler section. So if you haven't seen Halloween yet, I'd say stop the recording. Um definitely go check it out. I think you know, as especially for right now, there's not a lot of good stuff in theaters that has coming out that's new within the past week. Um there's still some good stuff from before that we talked about, stars more, you know, we talked about them. Uh, we talked about uh first man a little bit. So there's definitely some good movies that's out. Um, and there's probably gonna be hopefully maybe one or two good things coming out this um weekend. But if you still want to get like a classics or a horror film, def- definitely go check it out. Uh, before it leaves theaters. So we're going to give a break, and we will see you soon for a full spoiler section of Halloween. Dude, Venom was not that bad, okay? back 
and we are the Down in Front Podcast. Super pumped to be talking about Halloween. We're in our spoiler section. So if you are at the movie theater, or let's say you're going to the theater, you haven't quite seen uh, Halloween yet, I would say thanks for listening to our podcast in the theater. But you may want to stop at this actual section because this will spoil <laughs> the movie for you. Um, so we're going to be breaking up. We're going to talk about a couple different things of the movie. Well, as we usually we talk about the acting, we talk about the characters. We're going to talk a little bit about the plot and sort of the universe building a little bit. And then we're going to also conclude and have our um, conclusion of it. So I'm going to toss it over to Mocha to get us started. And says, Mocha, talk to me about a bit of the acting and the characters of Halloween. Yeah, so I'm sure we can get pretty deep into this because the acting was all over the place. I don't even know if it was at all over the place. It was just kind of a dead split. Like they were like half the cast was really good at their job and the other half was super uh, not memorable at all. But um, Jamie Lee Curtis, man, I love this woman as an actress. Uh, she killed it back in the day when she played the original Laurie Strode. She's been solid in all of her works. And for someone who's coming out of a long stretch of acting strictly in yoga commercials, uh, she really brought it to this film. Uh, she was great in her role and really did a good job of selling what that innocent uh, young teen from the original Halloween movie would be like after being hardened by decades of terror and paranoia and probably being treated really shittily by the rest of the world because she has a bad relationship with her family at this point. Um, there was like, there was almost like a, like a leathered feeling to her personality. And it was just really cool to feel that, uh, to see that come out in the uh, interacting. Uh, yeah. They, like I did like the fact that I just also really enjoyed Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. I was getting really, really nervous that she was going to play this manic, um, really weird sort of basically she has like a couple mental breakdowns and they were, she was just going to have like kind of like one speed this entire movie. But then, you know, looking at that, the, the part where she actually goes to dinner and she goes down and she chugs the wine and she's clearly like a broken human being. Like this has affected her psychologically. So for so many years and you know, I can only imagine people just telling you that you're wrong, it didn't happen, or kind of get over it, or like, what's wrong with you? And I think that's another reason why I really hated this, uh, the father character. I can care less what his name is, but I really hated the father character because I it felt like he was- I got peanut butter on my penis. Right? And I was like, bro, you were, te- you were terrible. Like, I really hated his character because it felt like he just kept calling out some of the things that really why people should kind of die in these movies. Uh, so I'm glad he died in this movie. But um, Whoa, fucking I, spoilers, dude. Yeah, we are in a spoiler wow. section, so shut up. Um, so I, I was really excited that she showed a lot of range, and it was you know definitely manic, definitely like depression, definitely um, really excited. Sometimes she was almost like giddy when she was like kind of hunting him, and I was like, that's great, but that's also very scary. But I liked the actual range that she was showing just in her acting ability. Everybody else in this movie was terrible. Like absolute terrible actress, actresses and acting. So I'm not sure what you mean by somebody. Else. I mean, maybe Michael Myers is great for whatever acting that he did, but I I was really really bummed out that they didn't really they had the ability to put some supporting actresses and actors around her. Even Judy Greer had like a couple like shining moments, but overall it just felt like the majority of all the other characters kind of fell into that shtick or fell into that genre well, of so, just people so being dumb. To be fair. Slasher films don't exist in real life. Like I know people are but not. But they could. But no, but, I mean I that's that's the, that's people, the trope. That's like they, what if, makes them a, a slasher film is is pe- people are stupid and they're just like, oh, I'm gonna go out and like 
that was a weird noise. Let's go see what happens. Like, that's how slasher films function. I think to, like, judge someone on being dumb in a slasher film is disregarding the genre of film. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I just didn't like that part of it. I just didn't agree with, I think, moments when we see Jamie Lee Curtis versus Michael Myers and she's actually being fairly smart trying to hunt this dude. I was way more bought into the thrilling aspect of it than all the other dumb characters just running around with no common sense. Well, to, to be fair, and I think that I want to get this more in the next section, but I think – but to respond to this directly, I think it shows uh, character arc. So Jamie Lee Curtis is the only one that's really come out alive from her encounter with Michael Myers. And there's a couple things she does. Um, well, Buster Rhymes did too. Yep, uh, but that's <laughs> not that's not canon anymore. They they totally just like did away with that. So for her to be the only one that understands how his hunt works and how to counter his hunt, it makes complete sense. Like the father has no idea. He like he barely knows you know his mother in law. Um, and so obviously it makes sense that he is completely and wholly unprepared for the evil that Michael Myers is. Um, I don't know. It's it's. I just I accept everyone's stupid in a slasher film and like don't judge them. Now the acting on the other hand, other hand, you're absolutely right. Like it was poorly acted in some cases, even for slasher standards. But I think that slasher standards also include a good amount of bad acting in them. Um, mm. You're not going to all have like Johnny Depp in uh, Nightmare Before Elm Street or like the entire street, you know, Scream cast. Um, did you say Nightmare Before Elm Street? Uh, <laughs> yep, I totally did. Totally did. <laughs> Fucked <What>? it up. <laughs> Friday, the Nightmare Before Elm Street. <laughs> the Disney movie Nightmare is, Before is, Elm Street. Is Ice Cube in that movie? No, I think that was a, a Leprechaun movie. Thank you. Rock, what you got? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with anything you guys said. And as I brought up in the uh, beginning segment before the spoilers, uh, there was just a small, small handful of people that acted well in the movie, and clearly the teenagers cannot stand up to everything else that's going on. Um, I think for, to put into perspective, like how she grew over those 40 years, she's essentially a hyper specific doomsday prepper. And just imagine what your life would be like if you're prepping for doomsday, but your doomsday is literally just this one person getting out of prison. And that's exactly how her life was for 40 years and you raise a, you attempt to raise a family in that, and it all splits up. It all gets fucked up. It all separates. But, you know, I think she acted everything perfectly fine. Um, Allison, I think, was also okay. I think she was – I mean, when you get a bell curve in this, it, like, slopes all the way down here. It's not good. And then Allison was, like, right, right underneath the peak of the bell curve. So she was a little below average, but compared to all the other teenagers, significantly better. Um, yeah, yeah, shout out to the, the little kid in this movie being one of the better actors in it. Uh, uh, completely broke the, the mold best. of like it completely broke the mold of uh, Warren's belief that all little children ruin movies. 
like Blue was about to say, that was one of the best uh, scenes in the whole movie was that little kid like having common sense and like talking to this uh, to this this uh, babysitter about how he's clipping his nasty toenails and like stuff like that. He was just so funny. Dave, you go up there. You gonna die? <laughs> yeah, but what? That's the, that's that's the most real life acting you can get in a slasher film. Oh yeah, yeah that, but was, that was brilliant. But, yeah. but but my issue with it is why didn't anybody else in that scene have the same like ten, like why didn't anybody else say the same thing? There was two other people there. Because and yet the little kid that's like a slasher. Oh, I mean, I, I know I, I get it's a slasher film, but I'm just curious to see that they put that in there for like a comedic sort of effect. I think, right. Everybody can agree with that. Yeah, it's definitely totally. there for a comedic effect. Okay. And I think you also said this mocha of it. It's like the audience surrogate to kind of put somebody in there to talk about everything else that we see. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's I guess funny that. because what? that little that little kid was essentially the person in the movie theater screaming at the screen, uh, yelling at the screen, like "Don't go in there." Um, but he- like, here's the thing, Warren, is that I'm, I can't remember if it was Rob or Blewett who mentioned this earlier, but this movie was again a direct sequel to the original forty years later, and so a lot of what it did was carry over key elements, whether it was in the camera work or in the actual playout of events that you would have seen in this movie, which was a groundbreaking movie in terms of setting the stage for this entire genre. And so you have to have an example of the like the the bimbo tripping and falling and then getting grabbed by the by the killer. You have to have the uh, the the trope of not listening to the obviously the person who saw what was going on and just going to investigate anyway. Like these are all tropes that, that were more call, call, more callbacks to the genre than it was, I think, bad directing. Yeah. It, I mean, bad acting is bad acting, but the directing was definitely on point that the tropes had to be there for it to be a, a true sequel to this film, uh, rather than like a reinterpretation. We can agree to disagree. We can also agree that you're wrong. So on to the next point. I agree. We, I mean, we have we have several times already tonight. <laughs> God, I hate having Rob on because he disagrees <laughs> with both of you. I fucking hate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he's got a brain. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's called Does high he? minds. I guess. <laughs> well, that means that you all share one tiny brain. Mocha, what else do you have for acting and characters? I think it's one large brain, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, honestly, I think that in this film we. As far as acting goes, and this is kind of going to bleed into the plot a little bit, but we didn't get enough of the other characters that actually mattered in the film. Uh, specifically, in my opinion, Laurie's got granddaughter, Allison. Uh, this film, part of the story was showing the passing of the torch of not just like intergenerational trauma, but also passing on the role of being that innocent teenager who thinks the world is good and then meets this horror that completely reveals what's shitty about the world to her. And that's what Allison's character was there for. But we didn't get enough of her development as a person. What we got was her and her relationship with her boyfriend, which was a weird well, focus. What, what you said right nothing. there, can I, can I just chime in for one second? What you said right there is a perfect example of the generational gap between what she experienced, what Jamie Lee Curtis experiences, mm. and then in that 40-year time frame, her daughter never experienced any of that, anything like that. So where you even get the line from her, the world is good, mom. Not everything's a not everything's a scary place or some shit like that. And then it gets to her granddaughter, like you were saying, passing the torch the torch past her daughter onto her granddaughter. Where Michael Myers now breaks out of jail. Here it is. Welcome to all of this. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so I wanted to get more out of out of that character. Like, why did we get to focus so much on her boyfriend seeming like a good guy and then turning out to be shitty? Because uh, none of that actually mattered for the for the, the the climax of the film, other than having a reason for her phone to get thrown into pudding, which you could have taken that phone out of the picture in literally any ways and cut out all of that boyfriend screen time for more Allison development. You read my notes, didn't you? Because that was literally verbatim what I wrote down. No, actually, I didn't. I'm just looking at my notes. <laughs> yeah, that, I, so the first time I saw the boyfriend, I was like, he is going to be the first character that we know who is going to die. And he didn't. That's like the shit. That, so that is the biggest plot twist I've ever seen. Like, that so dude pissed. was the clear 80s douchebag character, and he lived through the whole thing? That's unbelievable. He, he didn't even show up in the second half. Yeah. Was, yeah. We're just, hold on. We're going to call it right now. He died off screen. Had to have. He, he got alcohol oh, poisoning. Really? They tried to oh. <laughs> Well, it's because all the oh, cops. That's interesting. All the cops and EMS services were going to, uh, uh, what's it called? Like the murder victims. So he just got alcohol poisoning and fell down. And no EMS was around to like revive him. And he just died at yeah, the school. He drowned in his uh, liquor and pudding filled vomit. Um, but here's an actually trope that they didn't follow through with this movie for. Uh in so many pre, like late seventies horror movies, one of the things that immediately leads to you being marked for murder is sexual deviancy. We want to talk about like Friday the th- or the uh, Friday Thirteenth movies, yeah. where every time every movie has like two teenagers banging who get stabbed, um, and that was that character for this movie. He was the you know quote unquote sexual deviant. He was the one who was like making moves on this other girl, broke the innocent Allison's heart. And while that wasn't a straight-up sex scene, obviously, it's still in line with that. And so as soon as that happened, he should have immediately been marked for death if you want to stick with the tropes that I this think, genre I has. I think they almost forgot about him. Like, they literally just, like, made the movie and got midway through, and they're just, like, kind of, like, literally just forgot to write lines for him and keep him in the movie. And then, like, at the end, they're like, oh, shit, I guess that was unresolved. <laughs> it was a weird but, split but, right down the middle, too. Because I want to... Like the I whole first half, it was all focused on them two. And then, boom, split right down the middle. He's gone. Forget about all of them. Here we go, family. What, they're going to have a super awkward reunion. Like, half yeah. their class got killed, and then they're going to have to go <laughs> to high school the next day and be like, oh, shit, you're still here? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be well, mad weird. <laughs> Mocha, I thought they did a little bit of the sexual devi- deviancy of with uh, yeah. you know the humping of it and the kissing and the making out the two that um, like ended up dying. Actually, I thought it was a little quick, you're, uh, but you're it, absolutely was, right, it definitely was. It definitely wasn't as much as we have seen at least in other movies in the past. Like literally, people having sex and they're being naked and they die while they're naked. So I think um, they definitely did a little bit of it, and they kind of. I think he kind of didn't want to go through that stereotype or that um not too stereotype but that um gosh, what were you talking about like that trope. trope there we go yeah he didn't want to do it through that trope again so i think he kind of like went like changed up a little bit of it and having a weird motorcycle scene of then the motorcycle yeah. falling down if hit uh, that was weird but uh, i think he kind of abandoned that idea make sure you clip this and save it uh for your cell phone because the last time i'm going to say it this year but you're absolutely right warren uh there was that sexual deviancy and they did get marked for death so that trope was filled fulfilled Though I feel like uh, that boyfriend had every reason to be marked for death, uh, and he should have. I agree with Mike. Uh, there's no reason why he should have been forgotten. And it you was always suck. You know what other trope was completely present and then never uh, re- revisited? The fucking dance. 
How many horror slasher movies have you seen where people just die at the dance? All I needed was a quick cut of two people making out in the bathroom and him walking in and cutting both of their fucking heads clean off. Done. That check it off the list. We're good. Yeah, you could have even done it like they did at the gas station where you show him in the mirror punching someone. Because yeah. you're, you're right. I thought he was going to be at the dance because everyone's in costume. You literally can't yeah. tell who anyone is. It's like have him show up and walk around a little while. That's it. Just show me that. Yeah. I do like the trope of him speed walking and teleporting everywhere. It was great. That was kind of funny. I'm glad you actually brought up the uh, the fight in the what you call it the mechanics place because first of all I thought that was just some amazing camera work. One of the things that this movie did that previous Halloween movies didn't do was it gave us a lot of time with Mike Myers in the in the scene. Uh, usually he's just in the background slowly walking after somebody and he catches someone in the moment and then kills them. Whereas here we got to see him in the background of events doing his Michael Myers thing with everyone else oblivious, which I thought was cool. I wish that I feel like they like they creatively blew their load with that that mechanics uh, scene, though, because him coming into the bathroom, quietly walking up over the up to the door and then reaching over and dropping that guy, those guy that guy's teeth onto the floor in front of that girl was like a really creepy moment. And I feel like the rest of the film didn't have that level of like nuanced creepiness. It was just you get stabbed, you get piked, you get pushed, like stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that 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 first scene was really well, really good. To be fair, that is kind of a change of character for Michael Myers. Michael Myers isn't someone yeah. who messes with his victims. I That's I true. agree with you. I like the scene because it was like super creepy and like it was poignant, but. It was definitely a change of character for that particular person. I will yeah, say that's, more also, of a, that's more of a Freddy Krueger vibe. Right, right. He's actually messing with it. Like Michael Myers just stabs things. That's his, his <laughs> shtick. Yeah, um, him, him and Jason. Yeah, yeah. Mm. There's no there's no real like thought behind it. Yeah. Uh, one, I enjoyed the visual the visual horror of seeing the corpse of the mechanic. Uh, with his face down on the table and his jaw completely ripped open. Uh, like, just that as a quick shot, that was just, like, beautiful stuff. They did do some great body, like, just minimal body uh, body horror with it, where, like, you see three or four people with their neck completely snapped and just vertebrae poking out of their neck. Yeah. Or, or the mountain of the viper scene. Yeah. Where, he, fucking... like, he gets his, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was cool. Yeah, you got some ground beef sandwich. Uh, Mocha, I will say that I love that we spent so much time with Michael Myers and just didn't learn anything about him. I'm going to get a little bit more into this on the plot universe building, but like we were behind the mask for a, a decent amount of time and we still don't know what makes this character tick. I think that this film needed to and was more of a character uh, film rather than just like a pure slasher, especially in that second half when Jamie Lee Curtis's character like reappears. Um, but we still don't know anything about the villain. Like there was no ending monologue of like, oh, this is why I do it. There's no explanation like from the psychiatrist who that was a decent twist. I, I didn't hate that one at all. Um, there was no real backstory on who he is as a person but we spent so much time. It really just drives how much of a maniac this person is that they literally there's nothing there. There's nothing that drives them except pure killing instinct. Um, and I thought that was really cool. 
Well, I thought he did at least, you know, the psychiatrist did have a bit of a voiceover um, when he was driving saying that he was curious of kind of examining and studying uh, Michael Myers and getting him closer to, you know, Jamie Lee's Curtis, Laurie's character, because they were basically at that point kind of feeding off of each other. Like her will to live is to try to kill him at this. I mean, he was just going through and slowly trying to make his way back to her. I mean, this is what he said in the movie. I don't know if we can, like, we can definitely kind of talk about if we see those kind of um, uh, plot points and those elements of it, because it just felt like he was just killing for the sake of killing. Um, but it definitely seemed like when he put her, like, he got back into their vicinity with both Laurie versus, you know, Michael Myers, that, that you know, battle was great. Well, uh, Warren, I, I feel your your desire there to have some more understanding about Mike Myers' uh, motivations in the film. But there's two points about that that I want to make make. One is that this film was pretty clearly trying to avoid some of the missteps, uh, or maybe even not missteps, but just things done by the other uh, like 10 sequels to Halloween that came before it. And one of the things that happened plot-wise, I think it was in Halloween, in the fourth Halloween movie, uh, maybe the fifth, but we get the explanation that Mike Myers is driven by this like blood curse because Jamie Lee Curtis is actually his half his uh, sister who was lost to adoption, and he like Mike Myers is driven by the notion that he needs to kill everyone in his family, and that's why he's obsessed with Jamie Lee Curtis, who does who herself doesn't know that she's related to him until she finds out later on. Oh so my I think god, it's just like it's just like Mike Myers in um, Austin Powers, where uh, Doctor Evil's his twin brother. It's exactly <laughs> like that. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's that. And then there is also, oh God, what were we talking about? I think I completely lost my train of thought. It was, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> no, no, you had something very important to say. Wait, okay. We're talking about giving the motivation and the reason. Oh, there we go. So I also thought that it was interesting too, because we are all, the audience is in that sense, also put into the place of Dr. Sartain, uh, the psychiatrist. He is someone who, uh, you know, we're told in the movie that he spent decades studying Michael. He, he says he uses the phrase life obsession. And throughout the entirety of the movie, his main focus is what makes you tick? Why do you do this, Michael? I, to the point where it's the one of the last things he says, right? So he kills the cop uh, that comes to check that nearly kills uh, Mr. Myers and says, is this what you feel? And then takes him on that on that road and says, "We're gonna put. I'm gonna put Allison in the back seat with uh, with this madman. And when, when he wakes up, we're gonna find out what how he reacts to you because I need to know. I need to know what's driving him. And at the end, it doesn't matter because Mike because uh, Mike Mike Myers just turns on him, crushes his head, and we we never get to find out. And we get that we had that same frustration that he's had to live with, to the point where he was driven crazy just by this man's presence and his stoicism." Yeah, I did love that, that every, well, all right, so I'll say this, because this is one of my things from the next section, but I'll say it now. Um, one of the big things that for the first 70% of this movie was, like, trying to get Michael Myers to speak, which he's never, he'd never done, you know, at least from the movies that I've seen. I haven't seen all of them. Um, and so I think that the expectation in this movie was that they would get together and then they would have some sort of conversation or at least say something to each other, you know, rather than just the silentlessness that he, he kills by. And we never got that. We, we saw as an audience, we kind of got blue balled where we thought we were going to finally get to see something behind the curtain of Michael Myers. 
and it just nothing mattered. Nothing at all mattered. He just he's a mindless killing machine that doesn't care about like anything. There's nothing the psychiatrist did when he got next to uh, Lori. Same thing. He just wanted to kill her. Like there was no words. There was no thoughts behind it. It was just pure stabby stabby. Um, yeah, that that was awesome. It it completely discounted everything that psychologist was going for, which was mm. phenomenal. I'll I'll also say too, but uh, since you mentioned that opening scene. I want to give a shout out as far as characters go to the Michael Myers mask, which I think is a character in and of itself throughout this franchise. Uh, for me, when I first saw it brought into screen and saw that it was all damaged and like cut up and rough, I was like, huh, that's like, like, why would they go out of their way to like make it look like that when the original mask was seemingly pretty smooth? But it dawned on me later on that that in and of itself was in a way showing Michael's age. The same way Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, face was riddled with wrinkles that hadn't been there in the first movie when we saw her. We never get to see Michael's face, but that mask aged. And we get that sense of, uh, of time having passed through this mask that is otherwise emotionless, uh, without movement and without voice. So I thought that was a pretty cool, cool touch. I'll also say on this one, I really like the podcast element. Um, I think that it really tied into the zeitgeist. Like we were kind of talking about in the, the pre-pre section um, about like what is current for like kind of horror. Uh, this was honestly what sparked that whole like real life crime thing is that if you see investigative podcast people for real life crime, it immediately ties it into 2018. Um and I thought that was that was a really nice little twist on it, tied into the current day. Uh, also, it gives more bodies for Michael to kill. So, you know, instead of immediately going to the main plot, we had this nice little B-plot that uh, went nowhere, which is awesome, and just resulted in a couple cool little kills, which is all that yeah. slasher films are about. One last thing on, uh, on you know, Laurie Strode. Uh, I thought that the house kind of played into the same thing as... Uh, the character, like I thought they were kind of analogs to each other where um, there was plenty of things that just kind of looked like a crazy lady who was like a doomsday prepper. Um, but as soon as Michael entered the house or, you know, or entered her life earlier in the film, she went from this insane person that to a completely calm, completely prepped for any event type person. And the same thing with the house. Like you saw the lights, you know, and you're like, oh, whatever. That's just to illuminate that. But I, I like jumped out of my seat when she enabled that spike trap. I They never referenced that earlier in the film. And to see mm. that come out of place and to see her final plan of like, yep, he is definitely going to break into the house. 100% going to get into my secret hidden lair and I'm going to trap him in the lair because I know that he's going to get down there and then light his ass on fire like that it, it well, went from a crazy room old, was trapped yeah every went, single room was trapped yep it went from mm -hmm. a crazy old lady to like a woman with 40 years of preparation on this um, and, and I thought there was a nice little twist on it. Like for a movie that wasn't an M. Light Shyamalan type thing uh, it was a nice twist to see the crazy lady come out on top ish i really loved that house i love everything about it and i think you know one of the small things i do enjoy was when she was kind of going through hunting for the house or hunting through the house for michael which i thought was also in itself pretty badass because 
we I feel like we haven't seen that. At least I haven't seen that yet in a, a movie of when somebody's trying to hunt and they're going through and clearing the rooms. And ever ever every time they're clearing it, she's closing the gate behind her so nothing can kind of come back from her. Um, and nothing can come like behind her. So I thought that was actually really really cool. I really enjoyed that uh, moment of it. But I also enjoy the moment of kind of Judy Greer. Um, in the end, like I guess, kind of beating Michael into that, which I'm not sure if that was something that you know they had planned. Um, because when we were seeing Judy Greer and um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis character, it felt like they have like a, a definitely a fractured relationship of how she was like being brought up. But did they plan for that moment at the end to bait them down there? I was like, oh. Okay, yeah. I, I guess that works, but all right. I yeah, the implication was definitely that it was planned um, because, you know, she talks about how that basement was her childhood. And we get short little flashback scenes where Laurie Strode was showing the uh, the young Judy Greer how to uh, drop the shutters on, the on like, the rooms and showing her, like, helping her build things in the basement. So Laurie had had that plan for a while, and her daughter was definitely raised with that plan in mind, which was also another nice tie into the whole intergenerational uh, like trauma situation. Because when push came to shove, no matter how much she had turned her mother away, when the realization came that shit, she was right and we're all fucked, that training kicked in. And that's why she was able to lure Mike, why she intentionally lured Michael in uh, to that area, got him with the, the gun and ran back upstairs in order to help lock, lock him in. One thing, so I thought, Warren, I thought you meant they as in, like, the screenwriters. And I was like, well, they definitely planned it because they wrote it. Sorry, that was that was a little confusing, but I found that humorous. Uh, no. Okay, you, you're definitely right. It, it. I don't know if the line was definitely improvised, but the plan set in motion was completely and utterly, like, that was going to happen. Like we were talking about before, Jamie Lee Curtis prepared for Michael to break down every outside defense and get into her safe room, which I hated, by the way. The fact that the floor was wooden was stupid. I thought that he was, when he picked up the poker, I thought he was going to poke the floorboard, rip it up, and then jump down. Mm. Like, I've never seen a panic room that's not been metal on every single side. Uh, that was kind of a stupid design. That was a great design of a panic room. What are you talking about? She didn't well, do what she had to deal the, with. The roof was penetrable. All you had to do well, was I take an axe and fucking rip the floorboards up. I think it was intentionally penetrable so that she could try to shoot his dick off, which she tried to do. She missed the shot, but I think it was just another option. Michael wouldn't have known that that floor was penetrable. Uh, just another way to like kind of track him as he's walking above and shoot for that dick. Or, or it was all planned all along. Tinfoil caps one more time. <clears throat> <laughs> guys, guys, everyone, everyone, tip all caps, please. Thank you. Uh, that, okay, those will do. Um, maybe this was planned ahead all along. Make it so the floor is wooden. They specifically shoot up through it on purpose to leave the cliffhanger at the end where when at, at we're, we're deep into the spoilers at this point, where at the end when they burn the house down, and they zoom back into the the panic room. He's not there anymore. Maybe he punched his fucking way out. Halloween reboot number two, coming back for Allison. Yeah, apparently they signed for a sequel already. Yeah. There you go. He's Halloween two. Electric Boogaloo. Yep. Yeah. I hope they actually call it like Halloween three coming back for Allison. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> 
at this point, they don't they have they call it Halloween because they already have. They, sh- they should just go with ha- Halloweens, like, like the plural, <laughs> or it could be like <laughs> Jig Halloween. No, <laughs> shut up. Shut your mouth right now. Because you cha- when you want to reboot j- Saw, you just make it Jigsaw. Or Ooh. Happy Halloween. Uh, that's it's, just not called, bad. it's just called Trick or Treat. That's not... Uh, no, I like Happy Halloween a little better. That's not a bad title. I would maybe go watch that movie. Huh? Huh? Reboot the franchise? Huh? Guys, oh, you listening? I, w- one last thing on, on Lori. I feel like I keep on just thinking of these things. Um, speaking of like her learning from past experiences, one thing I freaking loved during that room clearing scene she had was the she had the two part to it where she saw like the closets that were closed, identified them as being possible hiding spots, opened the closets and is no, I, I have a huge problem with all of this finish and then i am very angry that you brought this up interesting so i i love this because as soon as she identified there was nothing there because this is like the trope where either the killer's in the closet and then the people don't clear the closet so they the killer comes out which we saw literally in earlier in the movie the second part of that is that you get afraid of the closet so you kind of go and gingerly look inside of the thing and then the killer appears behind you and stabs you um, so in that scene, Lori, she pushed the doors open very quickly and then immediately upon seeing no one was there, spun 180 degrees behind her and had her gun ready because she knew that like literally the two tropes of it, like he's either here or he's going to be right behind me and was prepared for both of those. And again, it goes to show like 40 years of preparation, 40 years of like learned experience from that one night. It's like, hey, this is how I clear room, not for like some action movie Bruce Willis type film, but for a slasher film, this is how I clear a room. Sorry, Rob, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah. So um, 40 years worth of preparation. Maybe remove the doors from the closet yes. in general. Maybe just don't have doors in your closet because what does Michael Myers like to do? He likes to hide in fucking closets. If you don't have doors in your closets, what doors do you have to open to check? He's not going to hide behind those. Come on now. Come on now, Jamie Lee Curtis. If you want to really be prepared, the first thing I would have done is taken those doors right off the hinges, threw them into a bonfire, and then I would have sat there and stared at it. Hmm. He can't fuck with me anymore. So wait, You're not wrong. On. My is argument this- for that is that she, that house was actually a home where she was raising her child. So it was. she tried to keep it normal at first, but you're right. Once that child moved on and she no longer had anyone in that house, she should have doubled down on, on the uh, strategy. I don't have any closets in my room. That's why you're not Where getting did, murdered, bro. Exactly. Get ahead, Michael Miles. Fucking try me. What's up? So wait, is Michael is Myers just like a uh, LGBTQ hero? Just constantly trying uh, to escape yeah. the closet? Oh, God. I'm gonna have to say shut the fuck up. We gotta cut no. <laughs> Terrible. Gonna have to, gonna have to uh, you can label no. that one. Is this gaysist? <laughs> <laughs> das gaysist. <laughs> okay, guys, let's talk about the plot and let's talk a bit about a little bit more about this universe. So, uh, what do you got here? I'm gonna start with Rob. Uh, like Blue was saying earlier, there's it's a slasher movie. You don't need you need the bare minimum of a plot. The bare minimum is Michael's locked up. He's inevitably going to get free. 
Lori Strode has prepared for 40 years. She now has a family underneath her, two generations of family underneath her. How is this going to play out? He's going to kill everybody around them. Not the boyfriend for some fucking reason. Not the piece of shit boyfriend. Uh, doesn't kill anybody that dance. I don't know why. But, I mean, it's the bare minimum. That's all you get. And that's all they really needed to harken back to all the originals that were j- the same exact thing. I mean, take a look at Friday the 13th. What is the plot behind that? Bunch of horny campers get killed by a kid that was thrown, a disfigured kid that was thrown in the lake. That's that's it. How do you think like uh, um, everybody thinks that this was very Mocha talked about this a little bit, but how do you guys think that the bus ended up crashing that he was able to get out in the first place? And also, was that the first time that we ever seen Michael Myers kill a kid? So he, I think they specifically said he overpowered the first guard, and then from that, he broke free and then killed the bus driver. I think um, it was the bus driver who was on the side of the bus with his neck snapped. I, but I think the implication, because that we only heard that from the psychologist, I think the yeah. implication was that the psychologist was the one who killed him. Oh, yeah, possibly. Yeah, that's definitely a yeah, possibility, I think go either way. Yeah, um, yeah toss-up, but... Warren, to answer your question about first time killing a kid, I guess it depends on what your definition of kid is because the first Halloween movie, they're all like 16-year-olds. Uh, and I think that's fairly young uh, and possibly within the range of being called a kid. But uh, he murders a lot of young people in that movie. So, But that kid was like no more than nine or 10 years old, I think, in this movie. Right, which is why I said it depends on where you de- how you define yeah. kid. Yeah. Also, shout out to that kid. And this is something that the writing in this, like the writing, this line, this scene between the kid and the father, and the the father goes, "Oh, we're gonna go out hunting," and the kid goes, "Oh, I don't really do that. I'm missing dance practice." Shout out to that kid, and shout out to them to put that in that movie because I'm like, "Oh, these characters have some substance." No, they just died. Okay, well, never mind. Yeah. But thank you for putting Actually, that in. I thought that was cool. That's that was a weird thing about this movie. Not weird, but it was just interesting to me that there was comedy in this movie, and it was entirely focused on the youngest members of the cast. Both that that scene in the in the car ride, like I was laughing when the kid was talking about missing dance practice, and also the little kid that was being babysat. I think that's I think that harkens back to Danny McBride being uh, an executive producer on the film. Like, what do you mean, writer? Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. So he's known for all of his comedic routines and. I think it paid off in the end. He's, I'm also, I also read that he was a huge horror buff. So you put two and two together, this is what you get. I think yeah. that I think you get four, but <laughs> God damn it! Shut <laughs> up. Fuck! I hate, I hate laughing. Dude, stupid. Rob's joke. luck is is so disappointed right now. Well, it's <laughs> wasted so much time. Mocha, what do you got about the plot and a bit more about this universe? So I've I've already gone into a bunch of things that I liked about the movie. And one more thing I'll add is the fact that there was an unexpected amount of authenticity to the family drama in this movie. Like I thought that they actually did a pretty good job of showcasing what it might be like to deal with a family member who is seen by one one part of the family as being problematic. And what that could also be like from the other family members that – want to have that experience of being with them. Like it made sense to me that Judy Greer having experienced her mother's uh, trauma was frustrated and angry at her and keeping her out of her life because of the negative effect. And it makes even more sense that Judy Greer's daughter 
wanted to have a relationship with their grandmother and couldn't understand why her mom wouldn't just put aside whatever issue they had in order to ha- have them be a family. Like that's some that's real stuff right there. And it was just surprisingly authentic for a movie that wasn't actually just like a, a family drama. Uh, as far as though, hmm? go ahead. Yeah, I think even going on that though, how does the father fit into there? Like, do you think the father of uh, of Allison and Judy Greer's husband? Do you think he was like coming to the defense of Judy Greer and how she was raised up? Because he was also very negative, very abrasive, um, very um, like aggressive um, to Lori in this movie. Uh, and it, and it was really easy for us as the audience to dislike this person. And I think when he showed up on screen, there was two people I really wanted to die. Um, this random black cop with a cowboy hat on and this care, that character. And so, <laughs> wait, what? Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. I need an explanation here. Well, fucking <laughs> Sheriff Clark over there. Honestly, I'm with Lauren on that one. I don't, I don't, I don't understand how anyone with a cowboy hat survived this film. I'm totally with you on that, Warren. <laughs> well, all right. So, so to 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 go off of what you just said, I think he gets to portray the trope of the beta male in this in this movie because mm-hmm. if uh, Judy Greer is going through her entire childhood, uh, pretty much being dominated and raised by an alpha person who is controlling every bit uh, about her life. What do you think she's going to want later on in life to be controlled again by another person similar to that? I think that it showed she she went out of her way to be with somebody who is not as strong, not as powerful, like not as independent. Um, and I think that's the character that we got out of her husband. Yeah, he was also, literally uh, just like a he was fodder. Yeah. That's all. That's all he was. It was just fodder. Someone you had a, really, a, a vague emotional attachment to because he was the father of uh, what what one B for main characters. What did you call Allison? One B, um, and so you're supposed to feel something for her dad, and but he's kind of an idiot. So who who really cares? Could you explain this? We said one B. So Jamie Lee Curtis is uh, is one A, like the main character, and I would say oh, okay. You know, one B would be her granddaughter. Agree. Agree. Uh, here's the thing about the father that really disappointed me. I so early on in that movie, he says uh, that oh, to Jamie Lee Curtis when she's talking about how someone could have gotten into the house if, because she left their doors uh, like unsecured, insecure, unsecured. Uh, he says. I can take care of my family. I know judo or MMA or something like that. It was some sort of martial arts. As soon as he said that, I became so excited because I was like, this motherfucker is going to try to fight Michael Myers and he is going to get literally split from taint to fucking top. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. He just got stabbed from behind. But I wish that this dude actually tried to stand and tried to fight. You know who did? Buster Rhymes tried to. <laughs> and he no, survived. The podcast he nerd. No, the podcast survive. nerd tried to do that too with the tire iron. I was I was shocked on that. I was like, Which that- I was really I was really rooting for that. I he know he was gonna lose, and I think he was trying to protect his friend to just attack and tell her to run. Which of course she didn't run. But yeah, she's kind of dumb there. Yeah, I was actually really enjoyed that moment. I know we had talked about it before of a lot of done moments and a lot of these tropes, but I don't think like. 
is that a trope? Because I don't really watch a lot of horror films. Obviously, I think you can tell by now. But is that a trope to actually like somebody to sacrifice himself and actually try to fight so that somebody else can like escape? Yeah. Not the fact that the yeah. person who's yeah. being saved dies. I know that's an easy trope of wait, wait, no. But at least somebody like sacrificing themselves and trying to go kind of hand to hand to clearly that, hap- a- that happens back. all the time. Yeah, that's that's typically your jock character that your yeah. jock trope yeah. that walks out and is like, oh no no guys. I'm the second string quarterback at the high school team. I'm going to take care of this one. Yeah, that's, and then he gets that's what I thought. That's what I thought was going to be the boyfriend. I thought the boyfriend was going to try and run right. into the defense because usually it's that character, right? It's the the right. boyfriend of the female lead, and then he tries to pull some stuff. He's like usually like the third guy to go after yep. the black dude and the slut chick. Is like the boyfriend who's like defending her. Warren, the, Warren these are horror slasher tropes, okay? No, no. I was going to say no black people died in this film. You wanted the black cop to die. Oh, I wanted him to die. <laughs> this dude was terrible. I Listen, listen. If there's any trope that I want to go ahead and make sure that they perpetuate is that if a black dude is wearing a cowboy hat, that dude got to go. I was going to say different word, but I know we are a family podcast. So I'm going to try to keep it PG-13, but listen, then man. he has to go. There, they were in Haddonfield, I believe, New Jersey for this film. There is no way in hell that there's a black cop walking around in a freaking <laughs> cowboy hat. I don't care where you are; you are way too far, like far away from any other place that would have that acceptable. I don't know why that character was in this film for, <laughs> at all. All of his lines. The other thing I didn't like about the character, well, and I know we're not talking about characters anymore, but fuck this dude. The other thing, I like, all of his lines were. Like all of his lines were just so. The, I don't even think it was like a, a trope. Maybe it was a trope. I don't know. I clearly don't even know what trope means. Uh, but it, it just felt like it was so out of nowhere and like out of the blue. Like even opening up of what do you think we're gonna do? You know, cancel Halloween. You're talking to the police chief who dealt with this horror 40 years ago, which by the way, shout out to the police chief for running over Mike Meyer, Michael Myers. Thought that was fucking great. And I thought he was going to do a double tap. So he, he essentially falls into the, um, like mayor trope or like the, uh, like the police chief trope where like, take for, uh, take for instance, jaws. What happens? The mayor cannot close down the beaches. Like it's tourist season. We can't close down the beaches, even though your sheriff is telling you, it needs to happen. He is that he is that character in this movie. Yeah. But we know we met the chief. We know the the chief himself is out doing these things and he clearly seems like a, a underling of the chief. Yet he doesn't do anything to the movie and, and it, I guess felt like when he was introduced initially there's going to be two cops going at it and like kind of trying to figure this sort of mystery out. Yeah. But it definitely felt like he was only in maybe two and a half scenes. And definitely wasn't supposed to be there as much. I don't there. I don't know what his actual role was. I because I was conflicted on this. I didn't know if he was his superior, as in he was the actual police chief, or if he was like the mayor and he was making the like the straight to the police chief calls. So I don't know. But regardless, I think he falls into that that uh, generalization of yeah. This is the character that you're playing. You need to be relatively combatant to the logical responses that would happen in reality. Because, again, slasher film. Mm-hmm. And like we know in many slasher films, black people need to die. Wow. <laughs> Look, you said it. That would be, right. What? 
<laughs> you said it. None of us said it. Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, we were all thinking it. That is going right. to be definitely Share the pie. gas racist moment of the podcast. <laughs> all right. Um, another thing about the plot that I want to really get across is that we talked a bit earlier about how a lot of this movie was about passing of the torch. And one thing that this film desperately and completely missed the mark on was connecting uh, Laurie's daughter and granddaughter directly to Michael. So the granddaughter, she should have been in the house when her friends were killed. She should have witnessed the people that she cared about getting brutally murdered by Michael Myers before running away. Instead, what we got was her being away from a dude that she didn't even like and was pissed at at the moment when he gets killed and she comes back and finds the body. And that's the only, and that's, uh, and, and that was her big introduction to Michael Myers. She should have been in that house just like her, her grandma was back in the day. And she should have experienced him firsthand that, like that. In addition, Lori's got Lori's daughter, um, Judy Greer. She should have also had this experience because she was the biggest person against her mother's, uh, preparation and like calling her mother crazy. She should have been there when her husband died. She should have absolutely witnessed that happen. It was in the house. She was in that house too. We should have seen her maybe try to warn him not to go out there. He goes out there and gets killed. And then she has that firsthand experience with a loved one getting killed by Mike Myers too. Just to really bring home the fact that they were wrong. The Lori was right. And now they are even deeper connected to the situation. It would have made for a bigger payoff at the end where they all work together to kill Michael Myers. Well, Mocha, I would have loved to have seen them all been on the porch in that scene because I think that you should have had the one you should have had like the one confrontation look without actual action, you know, because as soon as she locked the door, as soon as the husband got killed, she locked the door and then Michael Myers had to like break in. That scene was cool. But I think they should have been on the porch, watch the strangling happen. And then Michael Myers turns around, looks at both of them, grandma and then, you know, mother, and then gives her the finger guns. And then they run inside and then they have that like, oh, crap, this is very real type moment. I, I 100% yeah. agree with you. And then I he think. turns around. He turns around and shoots a, pit, a finger gun into the woods somewhere because that's where Allison was. at the yeah. <laughs> Double finger gun. And then and he <laughs> winks. And he winks at them. And and she screams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then uh, send a sip to his finger guns for that being a thing of this 15 podcast. 15 minutes Thank later, you. she runs into a field full of fucking mannequins. And boom, she's at the house. There, there we go. Well, uh, who freaks out over mannequins? I, I would. I would totally. If be I run out. into the woods and I stumble upon a bunch of like mangled up mannequins, I am freaking the fuck out immediately. Especially if that also, was immediately pre, pre like preceded by some dude stomping some dude's brain into like you know she didn't sloppy see Joe. That, though. Yeah, she did. No, she didn't. She was already gone. She already had ran away at that point. I thought she was in the, watching from the trees. No, what the trees? No, she had literally ran away and had no idea like what was even happening at that point. I'm pretty sure she saw that from the trees and then started running. Cause then I'll that- go watch the movie again tomorrow and I will. <laughs> okay. Dr. Bob, hop on LimeWire. We need to review this right now. This is going to take eight hours to download. Dr. Bob, half over. Dr. Bob, I do want to go back to a small um, sort of query that we talked about of why the black guy should have died in this film. Um, <laughs> We're really going back to this again? Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. As, uh, it's a bunch of white people. I feel like this would not be appropriate. 
No, 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 but you are correct. Um, so I actually didn't pick up on this, and I'm curious to see how you picked up on this. So Omar Dorsey plays Sheriff Baker, whereas we get Officer Hawkins. Yeah. So he technically was above him and was like, we're not going to shut this down. Shut up, old timer sort of thing. Um, well, the reason so, why I, the reason why I picked that up is because I watch a shit ton of these movies. Oh, I thought I was going to say because he had the cowboy, the cowboy hat. hat on. Oh, right. <laughs> because that is a requirement if you are the sheriff. You need to have a cowboy hat. It's kind of like the talking shell in Lord of the Flies, uh, where whoever holds the cowboy hat has the uh, the authority in the in the town. Yep. Bro, spoiler alert for Lord of Flies. Uh, come on. Yep, the book that came out sixty years ago and the movie that came out thirty. It's Halloween. Spoiler I didn't watch sandwich it. right in between. Right. Um, the last thing I do want to kind of bring up here before we kind of uh, talk about our conclusions is I actually enjoyed a lot of the action sequences in this movie. Um, not so much of a lot of the deaths that happened off screen. I know Mocha, you had talked about that a lot, and you definitely mentioned that how much it was kind of a bummer that we saw probably one and a half deaths on screen. Um, but like definitely less than three. But I like when uh, basically the entire ending sequence of when Laurie actually went hand to hand and toe to toe and like with um, Michael Myers and even to the point where I thought she was going to die. Like she was getting punched in the face and she just kept kind of going and she was being like the aggressor too. And uh, finally, thank God, like as she was being held, he, she like blasted off his fingers. Who I thought was like kind of great. And he got shot multiple times, but I thought was also great. Even like the small little um, uh, montage that we got of uh, um like her like practicing guns and I thought it was great. Like a weird, anybody get like a weird, um, uh, John wick scene of her, like practicing all these bunch of different guns on all these like mannequins all the time. I thought that was great. She, um, she so was pretty good from a tactical that. standpoint, not as good as wick, but you know. I hated John wick one though. So John you what? Who oh, he's trolling. He's, he's, trolling. he's trolling. He's trolling. He's trolling. I'm not, I'm not trolling. It. You can he's go trolling. back. You can go back and listen to our reviews. I hated John Wick one. I thought John Wick two was decent. But I am not subbing. John Wick one was a Mike was a masterpiece. I will no longer down this download this from LimeWire. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, you can download from the regular um, show. Uh, Rob and Mike, what do you guys have to say about the plot and any more about this universe? Um. I mean, again, I, they didn't need much to sell me on it. I wanted to see a throwback slasher movie. I got it. I was satisfied with the outcome. I didn't, just like we spoke earlier about Venom, I didn't go in with crazy high expectations. I went in thinking to myself, I want to see a cool slasher film. I want to see people get destroyed on camera. And I want to see a relatively decent resolution at the end with a possible cliffhanger to lead into possible further sequels and that's what i got and i left you know happy with what i saw um again there were still some minor gripes that i had with it regardless um i don't know it was it was serviceable warren so i'll say this uh speaking back to the 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 kills we still had a decent body count i looked it up on imdb and it said 19 deaths which is Mm. Honestly, not yeah, bad. Yeah, and seventeen of them were off were off screen. Right, right. Yeah. So honestly, no, no. Well, no. There were like there were probably the, six on screen deaths. No, the, I think the majority, the majority, the majority were definitely off which screen. I thought it was a pro. And let me go into this. So, the slasher film 
uh, no pun intended, has been done to death. Where pretty much that late 70s, early 80s, maybe through mid 80s, they did every sort of ridiculous kill you could possibly ever do. I mean, by the time they got to Jason X, they were literally yeah. freezing people and then having them shatter. Like, they, they got so crazy with these 9.5 out of 10. Yep, 100%. Uh, they got so crazy with these inventive deaths that it is so... You got to be a real sadist, which they literally became for the torture porn thing with Eli Roth, to actually get a new death that would surprise and shock an audience. So I don't need to see Jason, no, not Jason, uh, Michael hammer some old lady in the head because that's like day one stuff. It it doesn't matter to me. You know, it's not going to shock me. It's not going to like confuse me. It's not going to like make me afraid. I I truthfully believe that doing it off screen built more of a slow burn towards that final confrontation because it was just two forces moving together towards each other. And and I'll say this. They even said it in the film. This film was a very meta film. Um, A lot of the shots they had, just speaking briefly about other things, a lot of the shots they had were mirror images of what happened in the first movie. The most famous one was when uh, Lori got bumped off the roof and then disappeared Uh, in the next one. Like That was awesome. But there was... That was great. That was fucking awesome. There was a ton of those shots that were just handpicked from the first movie and then either remain the same like when Michael Myers was walking down and like the kids bumped into him again or they were reverse images where Laurie appears out of the shadow and she's got blood all over her face and and then she goes and stabs him Um, but they literally called out in this movie that who cares about five people that died 40 years ago when there is much bigger things that are happening in the planet around us. And I think that speaks unbelievably true to the slasher films, where if you have six people die, you know, uh, let's say uh, five to 30 people die, who really cares on a worldwide perspective? Like, we read about stories about people getting bombed in the Middle East, and 100 people die. And you're like, "Eh, I don't want whatever, who cares? I'm in in America right now, nothing matters. Um, So to really drive it home that, like, we've been desensitized to this. They almost stripped us of that cathartic release of seeing brains get shattered or splattered throughout. Uh, we only really saw a couple ones that drove the point home that he was a maniac and they focused on the character rather than the disgusting gory parts of it. They, they took all of those kills back to the absolute basics. Yep. And I think they, they helped fuel because like you were saying, you're not getting over the top gore. You're not getting carnage. You're getting, these, what I think they did beautifully was these long drawn out single shots uh, following behind Michael where it happened for like two or three scenes where you see him start off in the street and then the one the camera, single camera follows him to the sh- uh, tool shed where he picks up the hammer and then it follows him, uh, the camera pans back to the side of the house and you see him through the window go into the kitchen, kill the woman. Um, and then the camera follows through the back door, goes up behind Michael Myers' back, and then it concludes with him walking onto the street. And this was like a full single five-minute long shot that highlighted the most basic way of killing a person with a hammer instead of like ripping them apart with chainsaws and shit like that. 
but it was it was sort of like a roller coaster where it starts off super slow where he's just walking down the street and then it peaks up and then boom he kills somebody all in one shot and then it concludes with like a shrug at the end and then he walks into the street and i thought it was done perfectly and i thought it helped emphasize the few on-screen kills that we did get and then the serious nature of how basic they were and how effective they were because in the end if you're killing somebody with a lawnmower strapped to the ceiling or a giant fucking blender like in Jigsaw and you fucking <laughs> lower somebody into it, what happens in the end? They die. What happens with a hammer? They die. But it was shot beautifully well. And I, mm. I really enjoyed those part, those scenes. I think, he's, I think you like Jigsaw more than you think you did because you keep mentioning it tonight. Yeah, because I'm having PTSD because you guys brought it up twice already. <laughs> want to play a game no <laughs> no the game should have stopped oh, after get two out of here oh man so let's move into our lasting thoughts so uh, a couple questions you know would you recommend this movie uh if you if you do recommend this movie what movies would you tell people to watch uh overall um what do you think of halloween yeah as far as my lasting thoughts you know this film had every reason to be way worse than it was uh, in the process of wiping the slate clean of all the previous movies and the jumbled mess of stories that they came up with. Uh, it erased that mess and gave us a clean, clean continuation of uh, the story. Um, I still think it capital, it failed to capitalize on providing the audience with something new, but I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing about this movie. I think this movie was soul food for anybody who grew up with watching slasher horror. And uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Rob, what you got? I mean, it's, I, these are always easy for me. Slasher films are worth watching any time of day, any time of night. Doesn't matter when, doesn't matter where. If you enjoy these types of movies, this is a movie worth seeing. Beyond the fact that it's part of one of the titular franchises from the 80s or beyond that helped revolutionize all of this horror that we have today, it's worth seeing just off the merits of, hey, there hasn't been a slasher movie in theaters for a while. Let's go check it out. And it's, you know, it hits on pretty much every note that you would expect with a couple of, you know, minor twists and turns in between. Um, there were some. Balls dropped, several balls dropped. Um, speaking specifically into puberty, the teenager sucked, the boyfriend sucked. Um, but yeah, it's it's worth it. I had a good time with it. Like we're like I said earlier, I went into it just like Venom. I didn't have super high hopes for it, but I left expecting the reaction that I got as I was walking in. I wasn't blown away by it. I wasn't let down by it. It's definitely worth watching. If maybe if you don't want to spend the money to go see it in theaters, that's fine. Wait till it's out of theaters or go to LimeWire and download it. No, don't, don't tell people to go LimeWire and download it. It's terrible. I don't even think LimeWire exists. Anymore. No, it definitely, I'm pretty sure it does. definitely does. Right. That's right, because yeah. it got replaced by FrostWire. Go to FrostWire and download Halloween 2018. No, don't do that at all. Uh, Blue, what you got? Yeah, so I thought this was the ultimate homage to the first two films. Ironically enough, it supplanted the second one, but I think it still had enough that was referential. Um, it was an interesting take. Now that I'm thinking about it, like 
Have we ever seen a, a film in a series of films just completely ignore everything that came before it? Like what? Mm. Like most of them say, oh, okay, one through four is canon, but we're not going to do like the remakes. It, I, I just wonder if the film like this opens the door for more filmmakers to just be like, screw it. We're going to make Tremors. Two is tre- Tremors is, is no 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 no. There is there are a direct line of sequence <laughs> from Tremors one to Tremors five. It all follows through. There are <laughs> generations that go through with Tremors. What do you mean? No 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 no. They yeah. That's what I mean. Like, the only thing like, they, the then, only thing they didn't keep canon was the TV show, which by the way, not bad. So the next like Tremors Halloween, movie Halloween is one hundred percent going to be Tremor six, the trembling. Mark my words. <laughs> I think Rob's pretty good with titles. Rob, what's the next title of Tremors? Uh, let me think. The they were they were in Africa. They were in Alaska. They now need to what? go to yeah Tremors four. They were in Africa. So after Tremors uh, one two, yeah after one and two, they left Nevada. They went to New Mexico. Uh, then they went to Africa, and then they went to Alaska. So now they have to go to a tropical location. Um, Tremors, Tremors 6. Hawaii. Um, Jamaica, Mon. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Jamaica's not bad. Um, fuck. All right, we're going to, we're going to, this is going to be a working title, okay? We're, I'm going to okay. come back to this. But it's going to be in a tropical, I'm going to call it now, tropical location. Well, Counter call. It's actually going to be back in time and it's going to take place in the uh, Central Asian steppes. Uh, Tremors versus Mongolians. No, they no, no, no. They already went back in time. They already went back in time. <laughs> what? They went back in time in the fourth one, or the the. Yeah, no, yeah, it was the fourth one. Oh no, the third one. I can't fucking remember. They did. They went back in time to the wild, wild west. <laughs> we need what to. We need to what I'm this saying. What I'm saying is, I think that it would be interesting if other people did this and did direct sequels to the original films supplanting other ones. Cause now it's been 40 years since all these things came out. I think it was like a, it was almost like a proof of concept of could this work if we just neglect everything else and just told a brand new story from the first one. Oh um, my God. Halloween resurrection to bring Buster rhymes back. Let's get it going. I am a big fan of resurrection. I'm not gonna, I don't care how bad people say it is. I still enjoyed it. <laughs> what we need is for Michael Myers to be unmasked and for it to be Buster Rhymes underneath. Well, he was oh. unmasked. This one, he actually showed his face a couple times. You get yeah, like a side shot. Just, you get a side no, shot. No, no, there was a couple times you saw him in the he mirror. Was, and, and, he was pretty much a grinder profile the entire time. <laughs> just uh, towards shows him pretty flashes of face. Nothing to identify <laughs> the man. <laughs> I'd say go see this movie. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I uh, time up. in it. Especially the fact that I didn't like I don't like horror um genre. I don't like a lot of these silly tropes. Um I actually enjoyed this film a lot. Uh I at least liked it. They kind of did some things a little bit different. Um I think Blewett mentioned this probably before, but I really like putting the camera on uh, Michael Myers and make him feel like a victim. Uh, I thought that was actually pretty cool. We've probably seen it at some point uh, in other movies, but I think this movie was definitely great, especially because we just recently reviewed Hellfest and how shitty that movie was. Please go save oh, your money. No, I, got, I, wanna, I still haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. I know. I said, please go save your money. Yeah. 
Um, oh, go to Lime, um, go to LimeWire, go yeah. to, download FrostWire, and then go and actually. You again. should watch. You should watch Bloodfest. It was uh, created by Rooster Teeth. It's it's. Ooh. This is like a shitty. It's like a shitty B movie, but it's worth seeing. It's it's pretty worth. It's pretty worth. Hellfest is a shitty B movie that got went out in theater. So I think you may enjoy right. it. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, I will. I love those kind of movies. I don't know if you're gonna like this one though. Probably won't, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah. It is better than everything Jigsaw. is fucking anything is better than Jigsaw. I don't know. Uh, also, Blue It, I think one of the movies that kind of ignored the other ones, not necessarily saying that they weren't canning or not, but the most recent uh, Pirates of the Caribbean sort of ignored all the other ones before it. So that was kind of weird. So no, maybe that. that. No, that totally brought people back. I mean, I remember only no, about did. a no, third it of it. No, 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 no. The most recent. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean didn't bring anybody back. Yes, it except did. Except Jack and the- Orlando Bloom was in it. He was like the halfway surprise. Uh, maybe I was too drunk on that movie. Yeah, oh, I was. I was yeah. wasted for about ninety percent of it, but I do remember Let's- Orlando Bloom coming back. Well, spoiler alert for that movie. Sorry. <laughs> spoiler alert to the people that saw it. <laughs> spoiler alert for Warren, who was who saw it. He was just too drunk. <laughs> uh, that movie. That movie was terrible. Ugh. Oh, it was okay. so bad. I'm so glad I missed that one. Uh, but I'd say, you know, definitely go check it out. Um, definitely go check out this movie, especially because I think so far, and we've seen a lot of films this October. Uh, October ends, what, next week? I think this is probably the closest sort of horror film that you're actually going to get this um, year um, in October. So I don't know what's going to come out in November or, or d- December, but in October so far, I think uh, this is your fr- uh, the biggest one that's in theaters. I'm sure there's probably a lot of better stuff that's probably out of theaters. So if you do know some better things, Holler at us and let us know. There's nothing. Okay. Okay. There's nothing. And with that, we are the Downer Fun Podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out um, with us. Uh, our special guest, thanks so much, Rob, for kind of joining in. Literally, you're the Ooh. only person that we like. <laughs> on your, That's me. Uh, on Wikuga Games. Like, all those guys are terrible. Um, yeah, that's including you, Dom. Chris is okay. We, we, we like Chris. Uh, Rob, where can people find more of your work and what do you do online? Um, so I am Dr. Bob of Wicked Good Gaming. You can find some of our written content, which is lacking because we're very busy adults, um, at wickedgoodgaming.com. We are at Wicked Good Games on Twitter because we're missing one letter. We can't get the G at the end because it's it's one letter too long. Um, and we are at Wicked Good Gaming on everything else. Um, Instagram, Facebook, those are all the relevant social medias. Yeah, sure. And uh, I am also one of the co-hosts of Not Another Gaming Podcast. We are currently the top trending gaming podcast on Spotify. Bang, 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 bang. Um, <laughs> I get the screenshots to prove all of this. We bounce back, fellas. Um, but yeah, we are Not Another Gaming Podcast. We are on every podcast platform imaginable, uh, most pre- most relevant being Spotify. Um and we have had plenty of our Down and Front podcast pals on several times. So check us out. If you're definitely looking for a good laugh, I think, you know, that particular podcast and their brand definitely mixes a lot of gaming. It talks about movies. It talks also a lot about a lot of humor and a lot of comedy. Even if you don't even you've never even been to Boston, they definitely give you a uh-huh. real like slice of life in Overall, if you have no idea what they're talking about, I think you're definitely going to enjoy it. And it's a great time to kind of disconnect, 
to have a laugh or like even less than like maybe 90 minutes of an episode and you can do that on the drive or a morning commute or something like that so definitely go check out the work these dudes are hilarious except for dom because nobody likes him oh wait well, i got one more thing i got one more thing that you guys that you guys know about oh we're doing a red dead uh redemption 2 giveaway so hey. if you go to our yeah if you go to our instagram um i think all you have to do is be following us um, like the picture and then tag two of your pals in it and you get entered into the submission. And so if anyone's looking for a free copy of Red Dead Redemption 2, we're the place to go at Wicked Good Gaming. Mocha, where can people find more of your work? You all can find me on Twitter, outing in the closet serial killers at Mocha Mike L.I. <laughs> as the Lord intended. Unfortunately, you cannot find me at Mocha Mike. The uh, person who has that username is an old man and was uh, institutionalized for his senility before I can get that password. So unfortunately, it's just Mocha Mike Li. Uh, you can find me, however, on Instagram at Mocha Mike, where I post some of my photography work, and on Medium.com at Mocha Mike, where I write some longer form reviews of the things we talk about here. And Bluey, where can people find where you're working? What shows you got coming up? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we're we're doing things. Uh, we wrote a new song today that we'll probably never play live because uh, you know, no no one wants to hear that. Uh, but if you do want to hear that, you can reach out to us at Mayonnaise Music or Mayonnaise Band at most major platforms. Uh, also, you can reach out to uh, me personally at Watch Jesse Rand's Pumpkin Head Grow at gmail.com. Uh, that is, again, Watch Jesse Rand's Pumpkin Head Grow at gmail.com. Uh, Another not, great franchise. Yeah, non grinder affiliated, of course. Um, yeah, back to you, Warren. Oh, thanks. And you can find more of our work, so definitely check us out on our website, downinfrontpodcast.com. We're going to have a lot of different sort of video teasers. We have our Twitter. We're going to be actually doing a revamping of that site, so definitely kind of check out and take a look for that. We're also going to be on the major platforms, so Twitter, Instagram, anything that we're going to be there. Twitter, we're at underscore DAFP. On Instagram, we are Down in Front Podcast. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash Podcast. And if you like what we do, you definitely want to sign up, get bonus episodes actually early and even more information and more sort of content we're actually going to be doing a lot of different side episodes so two of the next things that we have coming up is a side episode for first man and we're going to have uh, a new segment i hope that we call memos minute because that'd be great um so definitely come check out and become a patron patreon.com slash down in front podcast even for one dollar anything and everything helps and we all appreciate it so wait 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 what does the minute entail what do you mean what what is what is the segment i need a description Memos Minute. Yeah, and what what occurs during this? Oh, I see what's going on here. It does not involve recounting the latest movie news in a minute's time. It's just our friend uh, Guillermo just getting off his thoughts in uh, one minute's time. Oh, do you? Okay. Oh, okay. no. You don't. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's not your thing. You're going to scare me for a second. Oh, no, it's, not <laughs> it's, not your, it's not your thing. Oh, it's not, it's not uh, Dr. Bob's Did You Finish? <laughs> no, no, but uh, <laughs> no, that's not a bad idea. You, what, do you, what do you mean? Stop taking notes. Excuse me while I write on this paper for a little Thanks to everybody so much. Um, our next review, I actually don't know how to pronounce this movie. Uh, so, Mocha, maybe you can help me out. Uh, we're watching Boo 3, a Medea Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Renee, Renee Zellweger? Zellweger? Uh, Zellweger? No, we will be, we well, will be uh, reviewing Suspiria. Oh, so speedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that looks interesting. 
Uh, I haven't seen the trailer, so I have no idea what that movie is. Spoilers. It's a movie. Oh, oh, spoilers. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, everybody, so much, and enjoy the night. Goodbye. Bye. The real monsters are in Congress. Vote, assholes. (laughs) Jesus.